0: All right, good stuff. Uh, Let me open us in a prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for the privilege of this night. Uh, We thank you for um, the gift of our bell choir and the fact that um, they are able to lead us in worship this coming Sunday. And we thank you for the opportunity for us to gather and to reflect on your word. We pray, as we always do, uh, that our voices would fall aside and only your voice would be heard. Uh, Holy Spirit, give us the wisdom to discern um, what is your will and uh, how we can implement it in our lives in jesus name we pray and all god's people said Amen. 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 all right so just um uh, a reminder tonight we are actually we are actually in our second to last class of this uh, of this little season tonight we're gonna talk about standing up and standing out um at an unbelievable breakneck speed. I'm gonna recap where we've been because we've been a lot of weeks. So we talked about this idea that um, we need a mental adjustment, that we no longer are a, a culture that's dominated by Christianity. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, that throughout the history of the Bible, almost every season is a time where the faithful people are, are described as a remnant, right? A minority, even in Israel, right? A minority. Oh, I wasn't done and at the new awesome um, life-changing, world-changing ministry as the remnant. We said that. we need to recognize our identity as a remnant, okay? Uh, and then we talked about um,
1: uh,
0: the idea that we need an insurgent. Said, um, our job as the remnant is to, to separate guys there's some seats right up front, if you no, want to be. No, you are so. already um, So we said, uh, as the remnant, our job is to distinguish the kingdom of heaven from the kingdom of earth, right? And uh, to teach our values uh, repeatedly, um, and sometimes in contrast to the world's values in the church and in the home. Uh, that we're the kingdom for the world, not to run from the world. And then we talked about our first job as the remnant is to convert the church. We spent time talking about this idea that, uh, as we've said many times, right? Being in the ocean doesn't make you a fish. Being in the church doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, that our job is to um, invite those persons that are already in the community of faith to life-saving faith in Jesus Christ. Right? So, hey, Craig. Um, and so, uh, converting the church was our first goal, right? And then we said uh, last week um, that part of our job is the remnant as a spiritual minority. Is to cooperate without compromising. We read in Jeremiah the call to seek the welfare of the city where we live, cooperating with the world when we share values. Uh, we also said that compromise is subtle um, and the choices to compromise tend to be intentional and that clarifying our values is essential, right? Uh, and we mentioned that as we partner with the world, um, we don't always have to partner with Christians, but every partnership has to honor Christ, okay? That's where we've been. Uh, tonight, um, we're going to talk about standing up and standing out. Uh, and as the last few times, I'm going to ask you to, to start by looking at a couple of scriptures with me. Um, so because it's easy to do, I'll just ask this half of the room to look up the Matthew passage and this half of the room to look up the first John passage. Okay, so uh, this is not the Gospel of John. It's the first letter of John, um, and there's Bibles in the back. Yep, thank you, Drew. So if you're on this side, you're looking up 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. If you're on this side, you're looking up Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Okay? Um, and, and as the last few times, I'm going to ask you to think about what is the job of a remnant? What does the scripture say the job of the remnant is? Okay? So I'll give you just a couple minutes to look it up and then to share. You guys are 1 John Chapter two verses fifteen through seventeen. First John, not the Gospel of John. If you're online, you're welcome to do either one you want, by the way.
1: Exactly. Does
0: bring that we're going to push down
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, I'm going to give you like one more minute. So um, what does your scripture say about the job of the remnant? Okay, Um, 1st John people, there's there's more Matthew people than 1st John people, so be brave. Somebody share um, one thing or one idea. What does your scripture suggest about the job of the people of God as a spiritual minority? What do we do? Or what do we not do? We don't love the world. Okay, what's that? And the world's things. Okay, great. We don't love the world. We don't love the things of the world. Um, what, what does that mean? Distinguishing what we strive for as opposed to what the world strives for. Okay. The separation. That's, a that's big, great. Yeah. Distinguishing what we strive for versus what the world strives for. Okay, that's great. Um, so th- their passage, do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, The desire of the eyes, the pride and riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire are passing away, but those who do the will of God live forever. Okay, so not loving the things of the world, making a distinguishing between us and them and what we pursue and what the world pursues. Okay, fantastic. Anybody want to add anything to that? Okay, very good. Matthew people. Somebody tell me, um, what does Matthew tell us about what it means to be uh, a minority or a remnant? What's that? Speak up. speak up. Okay, so we are, we are called to speak up okay. as a minority or a remnant. Yeah. Stand out. Stand out. Okay, absolutely. We're called to stand out as a remnant. Yeah, that's great. Keep salty. Stay salty. So no, that's easy. It. Right, Herb, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, the, really interesting. I'm just going to read your passage and you can keep talking about it. Uh, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light in all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So speak up, stand out, don't lose your saltiness. Well, anything else that stands out to you from that passage about what we're to do as the minority? <clears throat> Whatever we do, we glorify God and make doing. Okay. So, um, similar we said last week, we said, you know, anytime we have a partnership, it's got to honor Christ. Whatever we do has to glorify God and do it. Okay. That's great. Awesome. Love it. Okay. I think trying to be like a bright light where there's like negativity or darkness yeah okay so being a light where there's or where there's negativity or darkness that's huge yeah do you know what
1: i'm saying that like not that you have to just be like i guess i don't know what does it mean to be a light you know but just be loving positive kind like do what you can do in areas where those things aren't
0: happening yeah yeah love it love it to be I'd make sure if i can hear and the people online that's why i'm repeating what you're saying Um, To be loving, positive, kind in those situations where maybe those aren't happening without you. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay.
1: Yeah. Interpret is also, to me, uh, give credit. In other words, if if you're doing good works and someone says to you, you oh, you're such a good person, Mm. say, it's Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's great. So to give credit to God um so when someone says hey you're so great you say no jesus is great and i work for him right i've got a great boss yeah that's that's awesome um it, it, there's a there's a passage in the book of acts where one of the herodian kings i forget which one it is at the moment um is having court and people start saying hey you're not even a king you're like a god and he doesn't immediately give glory to god and god strikes him dead right um and that's the extreme, right? But I think, boy, it's so easy for us to claim for ourselves what really belongs to God. Right? Um, yeah, that's that's great. Okay. That. Um. Sorry, as an aside, um, my my one of my pastor friends used to describe the line that when you when you're leaving church and you're shaking the pastor's hand as the perjury line, um, <laughs> because the, everyone comes by and says good sermon, pastor, good sermon. No one ever says average sermon. That was adequate, you know. <laughs> Thanks for not falling off the stage. Um, and uh, w- one of the things, you know, everybody likes to hear that encouragement. One of the things that, that I sort of learned, I think from him was, you know, if there's anything good in that, it's God. So when you say good sermon, pastor, I'm going to say, praise God, right? That it wasn't, uh, it's nice of you to say that, but I hope you remember that like the good part was Jesus and the bad part was me, right? Um, so I think that's huge, giving credit where credit deserves. Yeah. Uh, can I share a story, yeah. Please do. Can I share a Kyle story, Terry? Too bad. <laughs> I can remember some years ago when Terry's son Kyle was probably uh oh middle school age and he came through the line at the the service and he says to Sid, Heard that one before?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: hilarious. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's Heard that one before.
1: Right. Uh, Now I'm nervous. Okay, good.
0: Um, Okay, so uh, we're going to come back to some of these scriptures, especially the Matthew scripture. I think this first John scripture is a great job of capturing what we're not to do. Um, But Matthew captures what we are to do, right? So we're going to come back to Matthew a little bit. Um, uh, Several of you mentioned that we're supposed to be different, right? We're supposed to stand out or speak up or not pursue what the world pursues, etc. I just want to, for a minute, talk about why that's valuable or not valuable. Um, so uh, I think there's a couple of reasons why this is helpful. Oh, John Calvin, uh, who is sort of the theological father of the pedestrian tradition, begins the very first line of his most famous book, which is called The Institutes of the Christian Discipleship, um, with the line, true and certain knowledge consists in two parts. Knowledge of, ooh, I once told you the answers. Knowledge of blank and knowledge of blank um anybody able to you might know the answer from your class that's, um anybody want to guess what those two blanks might be good and evil oh good and evil that's an excellent guess okay excellent guess wendy scripture Scripture. excellent guess. okay good haven't got it yet but we're really good answers A- anybody else yourself and god oh you win dawn well Ooh. done um so uh calvin says true and certain knowledge is in two parts knowledge of god and knowledge of yourself and he says, I don't know which one comes first. Let's need them both. OK, that's really a helpful idea. Uh, and I think when we are um, thinking about what it means to sort of stand out and be distinctive, uh, it is really important to know who I am and who how God made me unique and, and special and good. Uh, and it's really important to know who God is. right? Um, and those two things are going to make me different. right? I may look a little different, act a little different because I know myself, or at least I'm trying to know myself when I know God. Um, Uh, I do want to say there isn't intrinsic value in blending in or in standing out, right? So, um, I think in our culture as known as we say, Hey, it's just an absolute good to stand out. Right. So, you know, you need to have crazy clothes or weird piercings or tattoos or whatever, because it is better to stand out than to blend in. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: and I'm not opposed to green hair or whatever. I'm not opposed to any of those things. Um, but, but sometimes I think the, the purpose of those is simply to say, hey, notice me, I'm different. I'm not like everybody else. Right? And I want to suggest there's no intrinsic value to that. There's also no intrinsic value to saying, hey, I fit in, right? Here's a place where I am just like everybody else. The value of fitting in or standing out um, comes from what you blend in with or what you stand out from, right? And that should be kind of intuitive. So if I'm blending in with people that are, that are wonderful, gracious, you know, loving people, then I, I'm happy to blend in and be like them. And if I'm standing out from people that, you know, don't know God and, and aren't for pursuing God, then I'm happy to stand out from them, right? So um, our goal isn't just to, to stand up and stand out because it's good to be noticed, right? Um, it's why we do what we do that matters, okay? So um, I, I want to frame this, this conversation about um, standing up and standing out or being the city on the hill or being the salt of the earth around one really central choice. Um, And I think it's the choice that really is the the theme of the whole story of scripture. Um, And it's the choice between life and death. Um, And we'll read this in a little bit, but uh, one of of my wedding scriptures, I guess I'm not very romantic, but anyway, uh, one of my wedding scriptures talks about the choice between life and death. So when we got married, this is the scripture we read at our wedding from the Old Testament. Uh, I call heaven and earth, to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you in length of days, so that you may live in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Um, I-, I-, I love this idea that choosing to follow God means life. Okay. Um, and, and so the, the, the first piece of this puzzle for us is that when we're talking about life, that's Jesus, right? Um, John 10.10 10 is where Jesus is talking about I am the good shepherd, I am the gate for the sheep. And he says, I came that they might have life and more life than they had before. Right? Some of the translations say oh, life abundant, right? Um, by the way, the, the word life in, in Greek, anybody remember that word? Zoe. My daughter's name, right? So um, it's, it's not bios, like biology, right? Like physical life. It's the spiritual life that comes from God. Um, this is a really important idea because sometimes I think we, we look at the expectations of, of the Bible or of faith or of the church and we say, boy, they want to take all our fun away. Like I want to do all this exciting stuff and the church says, I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this. And boy, where's the fun, right? Where's the adventure? And and Jesus is saying, and Moses is saying, uh, I'm not trying to take away your fun. I'm trying to give you life, right? The whole reason I came is to give you life. And I believe that if you choose me, if you choose to follow me, um, that you will have more life than you ever had before. So you don't lose out by not doing these things. You win by not doing these things, right? You don't lose out by giving to the poor. You win by giving to the poor, right? Uh, You get more life, not less. And this is a really critical idea because again, I think so often people come to scripture and they say, boy, it's a lot of rules about what I can and can't do. Um, and yeah, you know what? I got a lot of rules about what my kids can and can't do as well. Right? They, they, you know, they, they are not allowed to stay up to midnight and they are not allowed to eat whatever they want to eat. And they are not allowed to watch whatever they want to watch. And do you know why? Because I love my kids, right? And I know that I'm putting them towards a healthy life. That's God's design for us. Uh, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right. So um, this idea of Jesus being life and, and wanting life for us is really important. Uh, the, the alternative, right, the other choice, um, Jesus talks about Satan a bunch. And in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John, he has a very uncomfortable conversation um, with a group, a crowd that's been kind of following him. And he says to them, this is verse 44, and I'd love to do the whole context for it, but just we're jumping in the middle of the conversation. You are from your father, the devil, and you choose to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Um, really an interesting moment, right, and he's having a larger conversation about, like, who their father is, and, you know, we have Abraham as our father, we have God as a father, and he keeps saying, no, you don't, because having God as your father doesn't mean you're born to a Jewish family, it means you've given your life to God in faith, right, you're, you're choosing to follow him, uh, so Jesus says the alternative to life is murder, right, is death, the alternative to truth is lies, um, and, and He frames his ministry as this choice we have to make between the the lies of the enemy about what will give us life and happiness and the truth of God about what will give us life and happiness. Um, And and then I really think we see this most dramatically, most clearly in Genesis chapter three, right? Which we've all read a million times, which is the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And remember this conversation the the serpent comes to Eve and he says, Did God say you can't eat from any tree? And Eve says, no, 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 we can eat from any tree. but you can't eat from this tree or touch it or we'll die. And he says, you're not going to die. It's not going to be bad for you. It's going to be great. If you eat from this tree, you'll be just like God. You'll know good and evil like God does. You'll be wise. Don't you want to do it? This will give you life. And it's literally this choice, right? If you follow God, you get life. If you follow Satan, you get death. Um, so uh, here is... The, the line on which we walk to stand up, to stand out, to speak up, to be different, right? Are we following the, the promises of the world that lead to death, the promises of God that lead to life? Um, and I, I think it's easy to be distinctive for no reason. It's also easy to be distinctive for bad reasons, right? You can stand up for bad reasons all, all the time. Um, but if I'm standing up, For the way of life that Christ offers and the the path to life that Christ offers, I'm willing to be different, right? I'm willing to be distinctive, I'm willing to be noticed. Are are we together? Just big picture. Okay. So I need to pause. Comments, questions? Okay, we're going to keep going then. Um, So uh, here's the the conflict. Uh, If you've got a Bible, I'm going to flip to Romans chapter six. So that's the choice. Here's the conflict. Romans 6 verses um, 1 through 11. Uh, this is, by the way, Romans is Paul's letter to, the, to the, the church that he'd never, or one of the churches he'd never visited. And so it's beautiful that he, in Romans, outlines his theology in a kind of comprehensive way, because it's like his letter of introduction, right? I want you to know who I am and what I believe. Um, Romans 6, Paul says, What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin, for whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So also you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus." Okay, so here's the conflict right? it's really easy to say hey I, i'd like to follow God and get all that good stuff um, and I like that life stuff, but you have to die to live. Right? You can't be resurrected to eternal life until you die to this life, and this is why it's hard, right? this is why it's hard to stay now yeah i'm I, sure send me to heaven that's great, but I gotta like change my behavior and my character and my friends, maybe, and my pastimes. Whoa, 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 that sounds a lot like I'm losing who I am. And Paul says, well, you kind of are, right? I mean, you are dying to sin. It's a dramatic change before you're raised in your life. Um, So uh, your money is not your money. right? And your body is not your body. And your life is not yours. And freedom um, isn't freedom to do whatever you want, but freedom from your sin and from um, the the brokenness of our world. Um, So this, I think, is is the hard part of the Christian faith, right? It's to say, hey, I like the idea of all the blessings, but to stand out and be different from everybody else and and to be uncomfortable about being the spiritual remnant. Boy, I'm not sure I want to do that. I, I like the other stuff. Can't I have both? And I'd like to have the world and have Jesus, right? And to that, John says, "No. Anybody who loves the world doesn't have the Father."
1: Right.
0: So um, our our invitation into life in Jesus is really to leave the world and its value system and its selfishness and its idea that money will bring us happiness and and the pursuit of pleasure is our major goal and we are the center of the universe. And to move into a world where we say, no, Jesus is the center of the universe and I exist to serve him. And my freedom isn't doing whatever I want. It's being free from the sin and the brokenness and the darkness of my own life. Um, and that's what makes me distinctive and stand out and different, okay? Um, so to be a city on a hill, isn't just to be, hey, we're these nice people. It's to be, hey, we're these people that died to our own lives and have been resurrected to something new in Christ. Okay. Um, so, if, if the invitation is to be different, and the reason we're different is because we've chosen the life that Christ has, and part of the choice of, uh, of that is, say, I'm turning away from the world and to Christ, um, what does that look like on just kind of a, a practical level, right? Uh, on a, on a day-to-day basis, how do I live out this choice uh, to turn from the world and, and stand for and with Jesus? Um, uh, you know what? Before I answer, uh, I have some ideas. Um, do, do you guys have that experience? What, what, what does that look like for you on a regular basis to say, hey, I have to be distinctive. I have to follow Jesus. I have to. Um, do, do you have an experience of feeling like, boy, I'm um, because I'm following Jesus, I'm a little bit on the outside looking in on some of these cultural things. I'm just curious. I had a conversation with somebody uh last year. Um, we were talking about, I did a series, is it last year? Maybe it was a couple of years ago, on sort of pop culture. And I did a, one of the pop culture things I talked about was Game of Thrones and this person came to me afterwards it was really an awesome conversation and they said um you know i know everybody's watching this and talking about it and so i know we're talking about it and i'm not a huge fan um but i feel like i'm on the outside because i i watched it once and it was horrible (laughs) and i don't want to watch it again i don't like what it represents and i don't and um boy it's it's weird to be in a room everybody's talking about this tv show they've seen and i've never seen it and i'm not seeing it not because I'm a, a, a prude, but just because I, I thought it's message was terrible. Mm-hmm. Ever been in that situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, okay.
1: I was at one time, um, uh, one of my girls brought a book home that they were reading in school. And yeah. It was a Stephen King book. Uh-huh. And first of all, I'm like, what kind of failure does this have at all? Right. And then second of all, um, then to go into school and talk to the teacher and um, Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. even just being looked at like, what's your problem with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then to have my daughter too, um, you know, be the one, the only one in the whole class not reading the book, (laughs) you know, it is hard sometimes. And that's what I tried to teach her like, you know, sometimes just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing or, Like you said, have value in it at all. It's sometimes it's very hard. That's great. When you're like the only one. Yeah. Sometimes that's yeah. why it's so important to have good Christian friends and somebody to stand behind you and say, you know what? You're right, Terry. Yeah. You know.
0: Love it. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Um, anybody ever had the experience? So I uh, me two. Oh, I know what it was. It was this summer. Um, this summer asher was in soccer i think and it was uh, on um wednesday nights or tuesday nights or whatever night of the week it was it wasn't normally a church night but it happened to fall on the same week that we had vacation bible school and so um we were gone we are horrible soccer people so you know we were gone there were six weeks of soccer we were gone two weeks on vacation we went to three games and then the fourth the fourth game that we could have gone to was this vbs week And then we sat down with Asher and we went to the coach and we said, hey, you know what? I'm sorry, but Vacation Bible School only happens once a year. This is really important for us. So he's going to miss this game. Um, And it was awkward for Asher because he didn't want to miss the game. He had to sort of conform to our family's values. Um, And the coach was very understanding. But I don't know how many other people were saying, hey, we can't do this. And even as the pastor, I felt a little bit guilty. Like I made a commitment to soccer, but I have a bigger commitment. So I can't be at soccer. Um, yeah so um, this stuff happens all the time i think uh, hopefully on a practical level Um, i want to think about like how and why we decide that here's a place where i need to take a stand right uh, for my new life in christ um so obviously i mean this is a no-brainer um but to to begin with um, we we have to have uh, some time in the bible and some time reflecting on the bible as we make those decisions about where we're going to stand up and speak up, right? So I don't—I've never felt a call to be a culture warrior. Right? I've never felt a call to fight everything. I don't care if Starbucks says Merry Christmas or or Happy Holidays or put Santa Claus on their mugs. Like who cares, right? Um, so when when I'm thinking about like what are the values for me that are worth standing up or speaking up or standing out for. Um, i begin by saying hey does this touch something important in my life or is there something important about the kingdom of heaven that that i'm going to miss out my kids going to miss out my church is going to miss out on because i'm not different in this way right going to church on a sunday morning or going to vacation bible school really important right um what literature and television and media allow our kids to consume really important um, so uh i'm not suggesting that everything is always conflict between the church and the world i'm suggesting as we said last week a lot of times we cooperate we get along great, but there are times when we don't and when we don't um, we go to the Bible and we say hey is this something that's important enough for me to really make waves about okay. the other thing I think is really important we think about taking a stand is we're not standing against other people, right? Um, Terry wasn't taking a stand against that teacher as a bad teacher, right? Um, any more than I was taking a stand against the soccer uh, organization for scheduling a game during vacation Bible school. They didn't know, right? Um, when we're standing against the only we're standing against is Satan, right? Uh, and uh, it's it's as we said earlier, it gets back to this idea of a choice that we make between. Um, life and lies, and I, I love the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. Go, to top okay, got it. Um, I love the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesian church where he talks about the, the spiritual armor of God, right? And uh, he says, Our this is chapter six, um, verse, uh, yeah, 13. Actually, I'm going to start with verse 12. He says, For our struggle is not against the enemies of blood and flesh but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Now, It's really meaningful for me, right? There are plenty of times when, as a Christian, I disagree with something I see in the world, but I'm not fighting that person or their values or their idea. I'm saying, hey, I really believe that if there's some truth here that leads you to life, I'd like you to, I'd like you to have more life and more truth, right? And I, the only reason I'm angry with is the enemy for lying to you and telling you that this thing you think is going to make you happy is going to make you happy, right? The enemy has told you that, um, you know, the the more sexual partners you have, the happier you will be, and I'm going to tell you that is not the case, right? And it will make you miserable, it will make you broken, and I want to give you some, some life. I'm not angry with you. I'm angry with the liar who told you to lie. Right. Um, I, I like the way that that Paul says. He says, um, our goal is to stand firm. Our goal is to stand firm. Um, so uh, do me a favor um, for all but two of you. This will be easy. For two of you, you can stay where you are. But Everybody just stand up for a minute. Okay. And... Ignore Lois and Kent because they. Well, okay, Kent's standing up. Ignore, um, ignore Lois because she's not her fault. She's 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 injured. Um, so other than Lois, um, who stands out right now? Me. <laughs> okay, you're pointing at me because <laughs> of the dashing good looks. Yeah. Um, but we're all standing, right? Okay. Um, do me a favor. I would like everybody but um, Jess and Deb to sit down. Okay. All right, now this is a to your question. Who stands out? Yes. Jess and Deb. What are Jess and Deb doing different?
1: Standing
0: up. Yeah, but what are they doing different than they were doing 30 seconds ago? They're standing. But they were standing 30 seconds ago when you were all standing. Standing
1: with them. more people than others. They didn't. Do what the crowd
0: did. Okay, they didn't do what the crowd did. This they're is a trick. Following your instruction. They're following my instruction. <laughs> but this is a trick question you guys can sit down. Okay, um, what, what I really wanna say is they're doing nothing different, right? Jess and Deb didn't change anything at all. Who changed? Everybody else, right? You guys sat down. Um, I think part of the job of the Christian is not to say, hey, I'm trying to make waves. It's to, hey, I'm trying to stay in firm all the time. Right? All the time I'm trying to follow Jesus. But there are times when the world changes around me and I start standing out more, right? So I'm not suggesting that all of a sudden we should get on our high horse about something we've never cared about before because it's a chance to make waves. I'm suggesting we should follow Jesus faithfully all the time as best as we can. And that sometimes we will make waves because the rest of the world sits down. Are we together? Um, So that, that consistency of our character and that consistency of, our, our faithfulness to Jesus um, means it's not a show when I stand out. Right? It's not like um, you guys remember. Everybody remembers Tim Tebow, right? I I a lot of people like Tim Tebow. I like Tim Tebow. wasn't a great football player, but a nice person, right? Um, and uh, the 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 concern with Tebow, other than the fact that he didn't have a very good throwing motion he couldn't make it in the NFL, the concern with Tebow was, you know, is it a show? He always talks about God, and he always kneels, and he always points to heaven, and he always does all these things. And is he just making a show, or is it real? And I don't know Tebow. I think it's real. Um, But the only way you could know is you have to see him when he's not on camera. you have to see Tebow on the rest of his life and say, hey, does he always give God the glory and the credit for when he's successful, or does he just do it when the camera's wrong? And if it's not a show, and it's his real character, that's exactly the way I I want to stand out. Right? I want to stand out because I'm, I'm consistently following Jesus, and sometimes it's more noticeable than others. Okay. Um, okay. Um, huh, I'm doing great. Uh, sometimes our, our, our theology changes, right? There are times where, boy, I'm going to stand out for God on this topic. And then, and then I start saying, yeah, maybe I wasn't right about this. Um, there was uh, i'm listening to a great podcast right now called the the rise and fall of mars hill and it's about the Hill church in seattle and mark driscoll who's the pastor there and um really an interesting story but the short version of it is um that that mark was uh incredibly charismatic leader maybe not as much character as charisma And one of the things that Mark decided he was going to stand on that he wanted to be distinctive about was about masculinity. And he really had a vision that men should be at work and women should be at home and they should raise kids. And if you get the desire to go get a job, just have another kid, right? So you stay home longer. Um, And, you know, if if the woman's going to work, it's because the man's um, too effeminate and he needs to be more masculine. And, and... It's a fascinating podcast because bizarrely people came to his church right lots of people until it exploded um but but he had a a a distinctive characteristic he wanted to stand on that was normative 100 years ago right 150 years ago but the church changed and and i think for the better and as we read scripture And we said, boy, you know what? The Bible doesn't actually say that women have to be in the home all the time and that their value comes only from having kids. And it doesn't actually say that women can't be leaders in the church and leaders in the community. And and so we grew. When we got better, we got more biblical about um, how we saw women in the world. right? And that's a really good thing. And when you go backwards on that, the world notices and it looks awkward. right? doesn't mean the world's always right. It doesn't mean that just because the world says it, we should evolve into it. That's not at all my point. Uh, but I am recognizing that, hey, you know what? There are a lot of people who pointed to Bible passages and said that slavery was good in America for a very long time. Right? And nobody that I'm aware of thinks slavery is good in America today. And nobody thinks the Bible is wrong. We just think we read it wrong. Right? So um, sometimes our theology evolves. That's okay. Our goal isn't to be right, but to get it right. Right? Our goal is to say, "Hey, you know what? Jim Gates has all the answers." we goal is say, "Hey, Jesus has all the answers." Jim Gates is following Jesus, and I'm trying to make sure I get it right. But I'm extremely fallible, right? It's just him who's not. And if I get him wrong, I apologize, and I'll try to get right get it right as fast as I can. Right? Sometimes we stand out in bad ways. That's okay. We just get back on our horse, right? Um, and I, I said last week the the watchword of sort of the Presbyterian tradition, right, which is. Um, that we are the church reformed and always being reformed by the word of God. So yeah, we had this reformation and we were messed up and we fixed a lot of things, but we're not perfect. We are always being fixed. The more we spend time in the word of God. Okay. Um, okay. Are we, are we having a cord Are there comments or questions before I keep going? Yeah. Bob and Wendy. Where's the line between. Being reformed by the word, always being
1: reformed. And when does it stop being reformed by the
0: word of God and being reformed by the world or society or yeah, common practice? Yeah, no, it's great. The, the question is, you know, when? Um, Where is the line between being reformed by the word of God and just constantly changing for no reason? Right. You, I mean, yeah. yeah. How do you know? How do you know? Um, so I, I think the the critical question for the church is always um, if if we if we make a change, whatever that change might be, um, is this coming out of our study and pursuit of Scripture, or is this coming out of the world pressuring us to be different? Um, so uh, you know, I, I think about. Hebrews chapter four, right? Where it says the word of God is living and active, sharpening a double edged sword, it penetrates dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Uh, and, and that idea that, yeah, um, if I'm in the word um, and I'm not constantly changing, uh, I'm not uh, evolving closer to Jesus, then I'm not doing the word right. I mean, the, the point of the Bible is not that I come away memorizing a lot of pithy statements, um, but that it changes my heart and it makes me look more like Jesus. So I should always be being changed by that. Um, but if, I, if the change comes from my time in the Bible, it's probably a pretty good indication I'm going the right way. If the change comes because everybody around me is doing this new thing, well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. Um, that, that's a really short answer for a really important question, but that's a start. Wendy and then Terry. Um, I was just gonna comment that the idea of
1: reformed and um, always being reformed is one of the things that comes up um, in our confirmation curriculum and it has for years and Mm -hmm. that isn't something that I learned about even though I grew up as a Presbyterian, I didn't know that, uh, that all those confessions, I mean, I knew there was a book of confessions, but I didn't know what all of them were all about and um, I just think that's such a cool thing that during the during the Nazi regime and during apartheid and the American civil rights movement yeah. that um, and many other times in over many many years that the church stood up and said this is not what yeah. we should be doing yeah um, and put it all down and put it
0: in writing um, that's just a really cool thing that is cool um, very short summary for people online um, when you mentioned. Uh, studying this idea with the confirmation class and um, the recognition that there have been really impressive moments in the church's history where we've stood up and said, hey, we don't do this, right? The, the word of God tells us we don't do this. One of my favorite, the de- um, I think it's the Theological Declaration of Barman, um, where the, the confessing church movement, who I talked about Dietrich Bonhoeffer on Sunday, the confessing church movement in, in Germany um, wrote this beautiful statement about why they weren't going to accept Hitler as the head of the church. And because Jesus was the head of the church and it's so biblical, I mean, it, it is, it's a political document, right? They're saying we're not accepting Hitler as our leader, but it's so biblical. I mean, all the rationale and motivation comes straight out of scripture. And um, so it, it is the church saying we are changing who we are, or, or maybe being more clear about who we are because of the word of God. Um, and therefore we're going to be different. Yeah, that's great. Terry. And-
1: my thoughts on all this is um, about like the change happens within us and it's not it's not um, in essence saying what's wrong with you and what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that. It's, it starts within us to do um, what God is showing us to do, not just pointing out everybody else's faults yeah. or every, whatever what the world is all doing wrong, um, but what we can do to make the world better.
0: That's great. Yeah, that's great. We're, I really like that. I mean, the, this isn't about pointing fingers. It's about pointing people to Jesus, right? It's about, it's not about saying we hate your darkness. It's about saying, hey, share some of our light. And yeah, that's really, really important. That's great. Okay. Um, we're going to keep going. So um, where where do we? Yeah. Okay. that's good. Um, so I just, I just picked a few things, right, that I thought were places where we as the church in this season um, might be called to take a stand, right, and some of them, um, I think, are easier, some of them are more complicated, so um, I don't think this is a new idea, I hope, right, that Jesus is the only way to salvation, um, but it's certainly a controversial one, and uh, in our culture, um, you know, we have a lot of voices saying, hey, aren't all paths equal? Like, doesn't everybody make it to God on their own? God loves everybody. doesn't matter what religion you are. This is the way for me, but maybe not the way for you. Um, and, and I think part of the job of the remnant is they know the the main message of the entire Bible, the, the, the reason that God interacted with humanity through the scriptures for 2,000 years was to point out. There was a way to salvation, and it's Jesus. Right? It's not Jesus or somebody else. Jesus and somebody else. It's just Jesus. Uh, and and being distinctive about that and saying, hey, you know what? I um, I know it might be uncomfortable to say, hey, everyone doesn't, uh, every every road doesn't lead to Rome, but I don't think it does. Right? Some roads lead to Paris, uh, and Jesus is the way. Right? Jesus, is the road we know that leads us to eternal life. And um, boy, that's one probably be one where I'm willing to, to take a stand every day, right? I mean, I don't, I don't care what the consequences are. We, we don't have anything to proclaim if it's not Jesus, right? we, have, we have no hope to offer the world or ourselves if it's not that Jesus loves us, died for us, rose for us, uh, intercedes for us with God. Amen. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Um, so that's one for me, um, and then so the yeah, well, other. That's the big, that's the big one. Um, but I thought you know um, this this idea of our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit shows up a lot of times in Scripture. But I'm thinking about particularly in First Corinthians um, is a really powerful one. I think we and our culture have started to say your body is sort of a disposable thing that you have. that's not really you. Right? It's your property. Right? You are your soul or your spirit or your whatever. And your body is this disposable thing that you can get rid of. And if you've been around me for a little while, this is one of my things I'm harping on lately. Um, But I I really don't think that's the case. I think your body is part of you, and God made you good. And so, um, in this particular passage, talks about our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit. Talks about prostitution and says you shouldn't give your body to prostitutes because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. But I think the same argument is true for, um, you know, you shouldn't put a lot of poison in your body, right? Drinking a whole bunch of alcohol, putting a whole bunch of drugs in your body. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body matters. What you do with your body matters, right? Um, You know, sleeping around matters because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, And this idea that um, I am flesh and spirit together, like that's God's good design for me that at the end time, I'll be resurrected, like Jesus was, flesh and spirit, right? Not just a soul floating around, but a body too. Um, Means, boy, that's gonna affect a lot about how I think and operate in this world. And there's gonna be places where the world says, hey, do whatever you want with your body. And we're gonna say, no, your body is beautiful and special and good. and Let's care for it and let's love it and let's not put that poison in it or or whatever. Um, Okay, submission is a virtue. Um, I just think our world doesn't think that, and the Bible does, right? I don't think there's any place I've ever been. uh, Let's let's, let's not exaggerate. Um, I don't often hear the message that there is some objective good in giving up our freedom or our choice um, or our control to somebody else. Um, But the central message of the Christian faith is we submit to Jesus. And then the Bible says again and again, there is value in submitting to each other. Um, And so this idea that Um, Humility and making myself less for another is an objective good is one that makes us stand out from our culture, I think, in a whole bunch of ways. Um, Caring for the vulnerable is a moral imperative. I think our culture agrees with this, but we can't agree on who the vulnerable are, right? Some people wanna say the vulnerable people are only people after they're born, but not before they're born. Some people wanna say vulnerable people are only people that are legal immigrants, but not illegal immigrants. (laughs) We can't agree with who the vulnerable are and I just want to say hey all the vulnerable, whoever they are. Um, we have to care for them right and, and um, boy if we do that we're going to come in conflict with somebody somebody's not going to agree with us right don't care care for them right, whoever the vulnerable are. Um, value comes in relationships, not in possessions Boy, I think that's clear, but it's not what our world teaches. Um, And I think Sabbath is an unbelievably important value that we are losing in the church and certainly outside the church. And and I think it's a value not just for Christians. I think this idea that we are designed for a rhythm and a rest is really important. Um, And to have regular healthy lives means we need a rhythm and a rest. And by the way, I know a lot of Christians, and sometimes I fall into this category myself, who make time for church, but not for rest right um, who go 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 because we are convinced and now i'm completely throwing myself under the bus here but we are convinced that the world can't make it without us right? and the idea of sabbath is not just worship it is absolutely worship but not just worship it's also an act of trust in god that the world can keep spinning without jim gates at the at the tiller right and um, boy, if you are a farmer and you don't check on your crops and your fields or your animals for a day, that is an act of faith, right? Um, that's what Sabbath is supposed to be for us. We got to figure out how to get back to that. Okay, um, there's a million, right? I just threw out a few ideas to say, hey, these might be places where where our willingness to follow Jesus makes us stand out and be different. Um, uh, okay, I, I want to pause for questions, but I also want to get through this. So I'm going to push and then do questions at the end, is that okay? Any burning questions? Okay, we're gonna keep going. Um, uh, Oh, stop, I wanted to give the whole slide, there we go. Um, I'm coming back to Matthew chapter five, right? And the language of um, the city on the hill, because I think this is really helpful. Actually, even before the city on the hill, the the language of um, being, being salt. And just as a reminder, Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket. Hide it under the basket. No, I'm going to let it shine. Today, um, and gives light to the whole house. Okay. Um, we are told by Jesus repeatedly right, that part of our job is to share the truth, right? to share the light, to share the saltiness. To share the the life that we know from him. And so, whether it's uh, Matthew 28 with the Great Commission or Matthew 5, right here, where Jesus says, Don't hide under a bushel, part of our job is to be noticed. Again, as we've already talked about, like we get noticed by being consistently faithful, not by trying to get on. I'm not trying to be an Instagram star, right? I'm just going to be my normal self. Um, But it's supposed to be noticed. Um, and we're supposed to take what we've been given and use it for others. Well, we'll this is what we'll talk about on Sunday, but you know the parable of the talents, where one guy gets five talents and he makes five more, and one guy gets two talents and makes two more. One guy gets one talent and he buries it. And he gives it back to the, the king, and the king is unbelievably angry with him, right? Because I didn't give it to you to bury. I didn't give it for you to hoard. I gave it so that you would use it to give it away, right? So if we have the life of Christ, if we have the blessings of Christ, if we know um, what it means to be distinctive and different, um, then we ought to be sharing that. Right? Again, not in a culture wars. I'm kind of defeat you, kind of sharing it, right? But in uh, a boy, let me tell you about the great, greatest news that I've ever heard. Okay? Um, I said Jesus is our example. Uh, what I mean by that is um, Jesus is very difficult to put in a box. Right? It's very difficult to to um, say, oh, Jesus. It, it, Really interesting. So in the time of Jesus, right, there are two big political parties, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And he doesn't fit into either one super well. He's more of a Pharisee than a Sadducee, but it doesn't fit into either one. Um, and there are pieces of both that he likes. And it just makes me think, boy, if Jesus was walking around today, he wouldn't be a Democrat and he wouldn't be a Republican, right? Jesus doesn't fit into boxes like that. Um, he wouldn't be a Methodist and he wouldn't be a Presbyterian, right? It just doesn't, that's not how he works. Uh, In fact, the only time they ever put him in a box, it was actually a a stone box, and he only stayed there for three days, and he got back up again. He just doesn't do boxes. Um, So I think part of this for us is that we have to say, hey, um, I'm not looking for uh, a a worldly philosophy that I can buy into hook, line, and that mostly lines up with the Bible. I'm following a different philosophy that is entirely the Bible, which will not line up with any other worldly philosophy perfectly right? It may sometimes fit. And in those times, we can go with that worldly. right? Hey, you know what? At this moment, this group of people really cares about the poor, and I care about the poor, we can partner together. Um, But when I begin to replace um, the the central message of Jesus with, well, okay, we have so much in common, I'm just going to kind of stand in this box, I I get in a lot of trouble, right? So I, I think Jesus is our example in this, when we speak up, when we try to be different, um, we don't do it for any reason except that we're part of this kingdom of heaven and it's different from everybody else, right? It doesn't fit anybody else's box. Um, okay, and then uh, I think this is my yeah the last thing. Um, how do we stand and speak? So I I, I really love Colossians chapter four, and um, this is where Paul talks about speaking um, gracious words seasoned with salt. And I'll just read it to you because it's great, and I'm not going to quote it perfectly. Um, Go eat popcorn. That's how I remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, So uh, Paul says, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. I really love that. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. That your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Um, so I just want to ask some questions when I'm thinking about, hey, is this a place where I need to stand up and speak out for Jesus? Um, is it? What's effective? We've all seen the guy on the street corner with, a, with the placard and the microphone yelling at the cars as they go by. Not effective, right? He might be saying truth. I don't know that it's changing any lives, right? In fact, it might be a negative, a negative change, right? Um, so what's effective, what's compassionate. Um, there's a, there's a lot of truth that I can tell you, but boy, I need to hear a little bit of your story and I need to actually care about you before I start dumping truth on you. Right. So what's compassionate, um, and and what's situational and timely. We've had a number of conversations, um, here before in the church, but you know, my goal isn't to get people to stop being alcoholics. My, My goal is to get people to love Jesus. Right. So, um, you don't have to stop being an alcoholic to come to our church. I, I would like every alcoholic in the world to come to our church and hear about Jesus, right? Um, so, what's important for you right now might not be, hey, I have this big problem and I'm going to fix your problem, right? It might be, uh, you know, hey, this other little thing I've been working on for a long time is really holding me back from following Jesus. Great. Like, let's figure out what matters for you right now. Uh, I'm not going to blast you with a shotgun of truth. I'm going to say, hey, what's happening in your life, right? And where is Jesus working? Where can we help? Him? um, what's redemptive, right? So when I'm trying to speak up and stand up for Jesus, my goal is that you find your way there too. So, um, whatever I'm doing needs to be redemptive in your life. And it needs to be saying, Hey, um, let's talk about how Jesus is drawing you to himself. And let's talk about his love and his grace. Um, let's not get into, Hey, you scumbag, I can't believe you did that. Right. Um, let's say, Hey, you know what, guess what? We're all sinners. Um, And and let me point you to the source of forgiveness for sinners. It's my source and it's your source. Um, Every time we do CCPC 101, I talk about sin and um, I always say the same thing, right? That we have the same disease with different symptoms, right? So um, the disease is selfishness and the symptoms are various, right? It might be alcoholism or it might be gossiping, it might be murder or it might be um, lying, right? But they're all the same disease. Uh, And sometimes, We get obsessed about symptoms, right? I really wanna fix this character flaw on this person. That's not our goal, right? Our goal is to cure diseases. Um, So I I had COVID three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I lose track. And uh, when I finished my 10 days, I had to talk to the nurse at Aspirus or whoever to say, you know, they said, hey, how's it going? Thanks, I'm feeling much better. Um, They said, sir, you need to know, you could have symptoms for up to two months and for at least 90 days, you will test positive for COVID if you get a COVID test. So don't bother, and if you get a cold, don't bother to get tested because you're gonna come back positive whether you have got COVID again or not. Um, really interesting. And I thought, boy, um, sometimes victory can, over disease can come while symptoms remain, right? I can, I can beat the disease and still have some of the symptoms. So um, when I'm thinking about our job of sort of being distinctive for Jesus, Um, Let's stay focused on the disease and the symptoms will come when they come. Are are we together? Does that kind of make sense? Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I I I went super fast there, Um, but I I got a little, I got a little time. You don't have a place to go. Um, Questions, comments, thoughts about this idea of of how we stand up and stand out and, and be different? Or thoughts? Pithy statements. The quiet makes me think that you're all mulling this over very carefully. That's great. Um, Okay. I got something. Great. Come on, Drew. Uh Be brave. Love it. Uh, So, is it safe to say that when Jesus speaks of days to come, when we read Revelation, that, I mean, this conflict has always been here. Yes. Obviously. Yes. Can we? Can, I mean, can we expect that this pressure cooker will be amped up? Yes. This conflict. Yes. And absolutely. What does that look like? I mean, that's a conversation we always talk about revelation. But it's great. It, 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 you know, yeah. it's an interesting conversation because it's been this has existed since the beginning of time. Yes. And you know, since Genesis. Yes. But how does it, how does it get amped up? So the, the uh, they probably heard you, but how does, how does this conflict between the world and the, and the people of God get amped up? Um, you, you know, my favorite parable is the parable of the wheat and the tares, which I talk about a lot. And uh, Tony Campolo had, had a great thing about the wheat and the tares. He said when he was a kid, he was in church and there was a pastor and he was talking about how the world was going to hell in a handbasket and everything was getting worse and, worse and worse and worse and worse. And as he talked about all these bad things, his mom, um, I'm sorry, the woman in front of his mom was saying, Oh, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, praise God. And he leaned over to his mom. He said, Mom, what is that woman so happy about? Like, the pressure of these horrible things happening in the world, and she is so happy. And his mom said, Well, she thinks that you know the world will get worse and worse and worse and worse, and Jesus will come back. And then that'll be great, right? And, and the Jews will come back. And he said, That is like the worst good news I've ever heard, right? <laughs> um, so he said, no, that's not the message of scripture. The message of scripture is the parable of wheat and tares. Jesus says a farmer goes out to sow seed in, in his field. He goes, sows good seed in his field. And when he does that at night, an enemy comes, and the enemy sows weeds or tares amongst the wheat. And the next morning, the servants come and they say, oh, master, uh, in the night an enemy came. They sowed weeds amongst the wheat. What should we do? Should we pull them up? And the answer is, no, if you pull them up now, you'll damage the wheat. Let both grow up in the harvest. And at the harvest time, we'll, we'll harvest the wheat first and put it in the barn, and the tares can be burned. And, and the point of the parable is, um, all the time, yes, evil is growing in our world, right? Um, the, the capacity for evil increases, right? It's just obvious, right? We didn't have nuclear bombs. Now we have nuclear bombs. We can do more damage, right? You know, horrible wars before gas chambers and mustard gas and machine guns killed less people than horrible wars do now, right? Um, so yeah, the world, the world is getting worse. At the same time, the kingdom of God is getting stronger, right? The wheat is growing. So it's not like, boy, everything's getting horrible. No, things are actually getting better every day. Like every single day, the kingdom of God gets stronger. And every single day, more people hear about Jesus. Every single day, people reveal the love of God in new and powerful and eternally significant ways. Uh, And so, um, yeah, they're going to both keep growing. But it's not like, oh, man, I just wish things would get really bad so Jesus could come back. No, like I'm involved in making things better. While, while the other side, Satan's side, the people that have been tricked by the lies are involved in making things worse. Um, but I have an advantage over them because I have the truth and I can get them on my team. That's my goal. right? I want to get all those people on my team. Um, so, yeah, it's going to keep growing. It's going to keep growing. But it's not all bad that it's growing. Yeah, <sighs> that's good. All right. Anybody else? Brave souls. Okay, um, this is great. So I did two administrative things while I've got you here. All right. The first one is, um, we have one more week of this class, um, which I'm really excited about, and then sadly, it's over. So uh, next week we're going to talk about um, success def- When I have a sign about this? Yeah, there we go. Next week we're gonna talk about success defined. So all this conversation about being a remnant. like, what's our goal? What does success look like, which we just, you have a nice segue into that for next week. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I did not plant that. (laughs) Um, So that's where we're going next week. What is our goal in this this experience of being the spiritual remnant? Um, But then after we're done with that, the following week, um, we're going to do something different. So we have this year decided to do life year round. Um, So our kids have class year round, middle school and youth group kids always met year round. Um, But... I can't do this year round because I'll just die. Um, I love it, but I need a little break. So, and I also think as wonderful as this is, um, it's not the only or even maybe the best learning environment. So I'm going to ask that the next six weeks, which will be um, October 27th through December 1st, um, we're going to do a, uh, anybody who's brave enough to be here, we're going to do a small group experience where I'm going to do like if you were here six years ago, I taught this class, um, but I'm going to do about fif- 10 to 15 minutes of teaching um, on the, um, on one of these acronym pieces of the gospel. Um, this is a class that's just designed to take you through the core message of the Christian faith so that you can re-articulate it to somebody else. Um, and then the other 45 minutes of our time together will be small group conversation. Okay. So I'll put you in groups and um, we'll give you space to meet. And all you're doing is talking about what we just discussed, right? I'll have discussion questions for you. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll be smooth. Um, and then six weeks, we'll try it. It'll go just amazingly well. And then at the end of six weeks, we can come back and do a class like this today. Okay, so that's our idea. Um, I'll talk more about that next week. But I just wanted to know that that's coming. And I'm actually really excited about that. My, I'm way over time. My wife, who's a teacher, always reminds me That lecture is one of the least effective ways of imparting information. And then she says, Well, you can ask questions, people can comment, you know, people read the Bible themselves. We do some of those things, right? Um, But I think we learn really effectively through conversation, right? And so um, I'm excited about doing this for a few weeks and letting you, I hope, learn in a different way through each other. Okay, so that's the plan. All right, um, let me say a prayer for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this night and for the privilege of being together. Thank you for our friends online. Uh, Thank you especially for the invitation of your Son to life and to more life than we had before. We pray, Lord, that this week we would be reminded that when the world tells us that the the rigors of following Jesus are too hard, we would be reminded um, that they are the path to life. And we pray, Lord, that this week Uh, when the world sits down, we would stay standing, and we pray, Lord, that uh, in those moments, we would point people not to ourselves, um, but to our King, and it's in His name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.